with you tonight and you want to turn there, I'm going to be taking some scripture out of the uh, Acts of the Apostles in uh, chapter 4. And, uh, you know, I find myself thinking uh, maybe if I had to title this sermon, and I record my sermons typically, and I have a podcast that I put them online, and I do find myself having to put some kind of a title to them just so when people are looking at them, they'll, uh, well, this one looks interesting, and they'll click on it and listen to it, uh, that maybe it would be landing in hot water for serving the Lord. Because Peter and John here, now when, when we last checked in on Peter, really, in, in the book of Luke, immediately preceding the book of the Acts of the Apostles, uh, that Peter, the Lord, had told him, uh, Simon, Simon, said, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, to bust you down to the most small components and just scatter you out. Yes. And the Lord said, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail you not. And then he said, and when you are converted, strengthen the brethren. And then just a couple of chapters prior to this, in chapter 2 of the book of the Acts, Jesus had told him, He said, now I'm going back to the Father, and it's a good thing that I go, because when I go, the Holy Spirit will come, and while the man Jesus was down in this world, He couldn't be everywhere at once, but He said when the Holy Spirit comes, He'll show you all truth, uh, He's going to strengthen you, He's going to give you everything you need, and He's not just going to be in one place at one time. That the Holy Spirit, if we feel Him here tonight at this church, that doesn't mean that uh, at Lick Creek, or Laurel or any of the other local churches that they're just having to do without tonight because we've got Him here that He can be in several places at one time. And then on the day of Pentecost when they had been praying and gathered together and said they were praying with one mind and one accord that they were concentrating upon the Lord Jesus Christ and praying for the Holy Spirit and it said that the doors burst open and the Holy Spirit come in as a rushing wind and lit upon them with cloven tongues of fire. And who was it that stood up but big mouth Peter? Now, he had a big mouth from sticking his foot in it so much uh, back in his earlier days, uh, but the Lord could use it. Uh, an idiot like Brother Jeremiah, the Lord can use him. Uh, and if you have a low opinion of yourself, that's fine, uh, but God can use you. Uh, and this book, uh, the literal name of it is the Acts of the Apostle. It's what they did when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And we need to remember that when the Holy Spirit comes upon us to not just say, ooh, that gives me goosebumps or that made me do backflips down the center aisle or made me jump steps or whatever it does. And I'm not saying that's wrong if the Holy Spirit does that. But more than anything, let Him stir you to action. This is a book of action uh, that they did things they didn't just say alright well let's just shelter up uh, and, and we'll pray for the world but we ain't going to go out and tell them nothing or try to compel them to come in and everything they did their lives were in peril when they did it oh yes that in the preceding chapter leading up to what we're getting ready to read I'll paraphrase it for you Peter and John decide to go up to the temple 
Okay, this is part of Jewish law. They were supposed to go to the temple to worship and they were obeying the law that they come up there. Now remember, this is the same temple that when Jesus Christ said, Tatalestai, that that veil that separated the holiest of holies from the sanctuary, it was rent from top to bottom because there was no longer a barrier between God and man because Jesus Christ had reconciled man unto God. And Peter and John went up there to worship the Lord knowing that they could worship Him everywhere, but also knowing that there were a lot of people there and that they could dispense the gospel of Jesus Christ as they come in. Knowing that pretty well everybody that called themselves a Jew would find themselves at the temple occasionally and they'd usually bring their money sack with them to pay their alms. And they set a man out there who was begging That was their welfare system. And there were provisions always in God's law for the poor. The poor has always been very important to God. If you don't believe me, just remember what Jesus Christ told John's disciples when they came. And He said, tell them what you see, that the blind have begun to see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and to the poor the gospel is preached. And so Peter and John come up to the temple and this man puts his hand out, alms, you got any alms for me? And Peter looked down at him and now he could have flipped him a coin and said, best of luck to you, buddy. Here's some money. That's the best I can do. And I think deep down, if we're not careful, that's what we want to do. We'd rather write a check than to hit our knees or to stand up and act in the authority of the Holy Spirit. But he looked at him and he, buddy, I ain't even got my checkbook with me. I can't even write you a check. I can't send you Venmo or Cash App or PayPal or nothing like that. But rather, he said, silver and gold have I none. But what I do have, I give unto thee freely. And he took him by the hand and he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And it says that the man leapt up. It didn't take weeks, Brother Dennis. It didn't take minutes It was instant. It was like, uh, you know, if God uses bolts of lightning like we think He does, uh, it's not to kill, it is to heal. Uh, It is to anoint. Uh, His power, when it falls, ought to be uh, expected to be like a bolt of lightning. Why do we pray and say, God, heal the symptom rather than heal the cause? You ever do that? Pray for somebody and say, oh, they've got a headache. Well, Lord, take their headache away. How about you say, Lord, they may need a whole rework of their uh, vascular system in their head that's causing those headaches. Uh, Maybe they need a vertebrae in their neck like mom does. Uh, Maybe they need miraculous uh, and righteous healing that only God can provide. That when a doctor sees it, they go, you know, before today, I thought that was impossible, but here it is. And so Peter does this, and the man leaps up and begins to shout. I mean, would you shout if you had been lame all of your life? This man was around my age. I'm 41 years old. He'd been lame most of his life. This was not a trick. And everybody's seen it. And many looked around and said, something significant has just happened here at the temple. I believe it's pretty humdrum before that. I mean, there was, you know, a, a, a while before that a, a beardy-faced, long-haired guy that wasn't good-looking come in and turned over their money-changer's table and pointed his finger out in their face and said, this is supposed to be a house of worship, and you've turned it into a den of thieves. Yes. But here, Peter tells him, 
in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I can't heal not a single person here. I told my children as I was raising them in church and I was always afraid that I was brainwashing them into being a Christian. And you know what happens when you brainwash a kid into being a Christian as they grow up? It really just takes about the same amount of effort that the serpent put into subverting Eve when he said, Ah, fooey! God didn't mean that. Just take a second look. And they'll do that to the young. And don't tell me that this isn't true because when I attended Marshall University, there were professors down there who felt it was their lot in life to attack the faith. And I had to openly dispute with some of them. And I'm not that guy. If they just said it to me, I'd have been like, well, you're, you're entitled to think whatever you think. But the Holy Spirit, Brother Arby, would cause me to act. That's Lord, and defend my Lord, my faith, and His Holy Word. And what happens here? And, and I told my children, as after they got to a certain age, I looked right at them and I said, now I want you to look at me. Now you've heard me preach for years. You've seen me at my best. And you've seen me at my worst. And I told them, I said, Daddy cannot save you from your sin. They looked at me because I think they were counting on that, Brother Dennis. I think that they were looking to me to get them into heaven. And I think they were thinking that for the same reason that I had to come to that realization with my own parents. And I told them, I said, I couldn't even save myself. I wasn't good enough. I tried to be Brother Arby. I tried to fix me. I tried to be better. Tried to think better and act better and fell on my face every single time. But when I met God's Holy Spirit, what happened was I got reconciled unto the Lord through the blood of Jesus Christ. And what happened is that Peter, now that man met Peter, but more importantly, Peter introduced him to a name that there's none other like it. And he got up and walked under that authority, under that power, and that's the only name that can lay COVID in a shallow grave and put it so far behind us. It's the only name that can overcome the unovercomable. That might be bad grammar, but it's good preaching. Because we look around at things in this world and we say it can't be done. Well, no, it can't be done because you're saying it can't be done and you won't believe. There you go. Jesus said you have not because you ask not. And then you may say, well, I've asked. Did you keep asking? Jesus said, don't quit asking. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. But now Peter, when he did this, when he did this for this man, there was a commotion And then he turned around to all the people that seen this and the people who had been passing by this dude for years. Seen him sitting there. If he was pulling a prank, if he was just goofing, man, he really, he played it hard. Or it was that he was truly crippled. Yes. And then suddenly he wasn't. And the only thing that changed was Jesus Christ. Peter didn't do that under his own power. Peter couldn't. He told him, he said, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And the man did it. And let me tell you something. The Apostle Paul said it best when he said, whenever I would do good, evil would also be present. You ever found that? I know every time that I've ever really done a good job preaching or had a really good church service and something, the devil's awaiting around the next corner with a baseball bat. (laughs) 
I'm going to lay up a cold snack for him. And that's fine. When the devil's fighting against you, that means you're going the right direction. That means you're working for the Lord or He wouldn't be opposing you. Adrian Rogers, I heard him one time in a sermon say there was a lady come up to him and he was talking about running smack into the devil and fighting him and toiling against him. And the lady said, you know, I think you're preaching uh, 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 something that's unsound. said, because I ain't never run into the devil face to face. And he said in a moment of inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he said, well, sister, it could very well be that you and him are going the same direction. There you go. <laughs> you got to stop and check yeah. occasionally. Yeah. You know, a few weeks ago, to give you an idea of what you got to stop and double check directions. I mean, I'd say about everybody here has at least had uh, an interaction with a global positioning system that tells you turn by turn, run back. It's wonderful. It's great. But sometimes they'll lead you astray. Sometimes it's bad information. I, Sister Crystal, we was going over to Proctorville to pick up something she'd found on Facebook Marketplace. I know how to get to Proctorville. Been there lots. Just across the river from the east end of Huntington. And I come across the bridge there and I know, well, I need to make this right turn onto Ohio State Route 7 to go to Proctorville. The GPS said to keep going straight on US 52. And I said, Proctorville ain't that direction, honey. And mine's got a British accent. I don't know why. I probably can turn that off. But... Sister Crystal, she said, well, no, it's saying go straight. And I said, Proctorville's right there. I know how to get to Proctorville. And I said, double check what you got in there. Turns out, it wasn't so much the GPS, but I've had this happen too. It was Sister Crystal, thought it was Proctorville, and it was Portsmouth. Big difference between the two. Proctorville was a five-minute drive from where I was currently at. Portsmouth was about another hour on U.S. Route 52. Sometimes you got to stop and check and make sure you're on the right track. How do you do that? With the Scripture. How do you do that? You look around, and if the devil's fighting, you're on the right track. Don't worry about if you're winning. There'll be opposition Somewhere along the way. And so Peter and John, they do this. And they perform this miracle. This guy gets up and walks and everybody, how'd you do that? And Peter begins to tell them about Jesus. And you may say, well, that's a wonderful thing. I bet that they were ridden out of there on their shoulders and heralded as heroes. Apparently you've not read chapter 4. Because chapter 3 ends with, uh, essentially them preaching Jesus. And then verse 1 of chapter 4, let's read, it says, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Verse 3, And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Now, you may miss the point there, for the King James English, but they took him and throwed him in the pokey, the hoose gal, throwed him in jail. Well, not because that the man had been healed, but because that they said they were doing it under the authority of Jesus Christ. Yes. Now, to give you a further understanding of this particular set of scriptures, Peter, the last time that he stood face to face, or even really not face to face, but within grabbing distance of these same men, 
he swore that he didn't even know Jesus. Right. Yeah. They said, you know, you sound like a Galilean. Mm. I ain't no Galilean now. They said that. I'm not one of them. And then, of course, the rooster crowed, told on him, and he ran yeah. off. And when Jesus had been crucified, you find all of the apostles not out in the streets proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they're hiding. That's right. And they were relatively inactive until that Jesus came to them. And it's a big difference. And I know this because I grew up having an idea of who Jesus was. Heard the name a lot in my life. Prayed occasionally. You know, used God as like a genie in a lamp. Oh, I'm in trouble, Lord. I really need to pass this test or I'm going to get grounded. I was telling mom on the way here, I said the only way they'll ever get prayer out of school is if we quit giving tests. Because I've seen some pray before a test. But until that I encountered the resurrected Christ, oh yes, the one that death couldn't hold, the one that had gone down and took the keys of death and of hell until that I met Him, I was not saved. I knew about Him. I knew Scripture probably better than a lot of other people. And I was not saved and I knew it. But when I met the resurrected Christ, there was a power, there was an authority that came upon me. It's the same authority that allows me to get behind this pulpit and declare to you that Jesus Christ is Lord without hesitation and without stutter and without stammer. And Peter and John now went up to the temple the place where the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of the other C's of the day and the, the guys with clubs in their hands that would stop people and say, hey, why are you carrying your bed on the Sabbath day? You, you know those guys. They dogged every step of Jesus. And they were unafraid. What had changed? They had the Holy Spirit and they had a covenant relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so when they grabbed him and took him into jail, I don't think Peter and John even attempted to run. They said, well, that's fine. Because Jesus told them this would happen. He told them, he said, they're going to take you and they're going to deliver you up before councils. He said, you don't even have to rehearse what you're going to say. Because when you stand up in front of them, it'll be my Holy Spirit that will speak through you. He told them, I will make you bold and I will give you wisdom where that you don't normally have it. Okay, so we find them in jail. Okay, their lives are literally in peril here. In verse 4 now, notice what it says. It says, How be it, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Not an insignificant number. You could go into the town of Wayne here and gather up everybody, and it wouldn't even be half of that. Okay, 5,000 people that heard that and believed. You remember what Jesus said when the Pharisees, you know, were like, are you really the Son of God? And He said, if you don't believe me for what I'm saying, believe me for the very work's sake. Yes. That man that was crippled, I think he fell under the same category of that he was crippled not because that his parents had sinned, but so that the Lord would get glory out of his life. Do you think that man was a believer after that? I would have to go ahead and say yes. Because Jesus said, those that are forgiven much, love much. Yes, He was healed. And I guarantee you, He was like, tell me more about this man, Jesus. Oh, yes. And so it says in verse 5, 
And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many were as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. So literally, all the king's horses and all the king's men. Yes. They gathered them together. And that's an intimidation tactic. Yes. When you're one standing against many or two standing against many, it's intimidating. Oh, yes. That's an intimidation tactic. And so there they stand in the midst of them. It says, verse 7, And when they had set them in the midst, they asked Him, By what power or by what name have you done this? Just answer for yourself. You know, I've had to, I've had to call students out before, having done something that they knew they weren't supposed to do. Brought them up. I asked them, What were you thinking? Why are you up? Why are you acting crazy? I've got one that I'm telling you if I don't explicitly tell him not to do something, that's just as sure as he'll do it. Well, you didn't tell me not to do it. Well, son, you've got good sense. Just don't do it. And Peter and John, here they are. They're standing in the midst. And they ask him, how'd you do this? What's your angle, boys? What's going on? And that's all that Peter needed. You'll notice verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost. That's, the, if you don't care to write in your Bible, you might want to highlight that. Because that's important. Right. Not just Peter in and of himself, but filled with the Holy Ghost. He's here because he was following the Lord. He's in hot water because he followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. Right. And he's not afraid of them anymore. Right. He's about as afraid of them as what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were of Nebuchadnezzar and his fiery furnace after they'd done been through it and met the Lord. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. Glad you asked that question. And he preaches to the very ones who declared that Jesus should be crucified. Oh, yeah. And it says in verse 8, Then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. They were respectful to them. And he goes on and says, If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it unknown to you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, they didn't want him to think that it was somebody else. They didn't want him to get confused with Jesus Christ of Dunlow, West Virginia, or Jesus Christ of Damascus, but Jesus of Nazareth. And he goes on and he says, Whom ye crucified removes all doubt for them. Do you remember the guy that you looked at and wagged your head and said he saved others and he can't even save himself? The one that you tried to find fault in and couldn't? That you fulfilled all of the law when you examined the Lamb of God and found no fault in Him? And He was deemed an acceptable sacrifice. That one. That guy. The one that Pilate washed his hands of. Oh, yes. The one that they wanted Barabbas to be turned loose, who was guilty and sent an innocent man to die in his place. Right. Says, Whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Oh, yeah, by the way, it wasn't just Peter and John that they took. The guy that had been lame 
They took him too, throwed him in jail. That's, that was his reward for getting his legs healed. But hey, he got to walk to the cell. I'd say he was still pretty happy. He was made whole. He was like, you know what? I'm glad to be numbered amongst these guys by the name of Jesus Christ. I'd love to hear what Peter and John set up all night telling this guy about my Lord. John telling him, hey, tell him about the time that he took a couple of fish and some loaves of bread and fed 5,000 people. Tell him about the time we was out on the sea and the boat was about to sink and he spoke to the water and it stopped. I imagine that the man was sitting there like, I believe every word of it because I couldn't walk before and I walked into this cell. I know that if I die right now, He's going to take care of me. Because they told Him, oh yeah, not only did He have the power to heal people, not only could He make the the dumb talk, the deaf hear, the blind see, but death could not hold Him. That He defeated death and satisfied the law, dotted every I, crossed every T. And so that guy, he wasn't afraid either. Maybe they baptized him in that cell. I don't know. You know, we believe in full immersion baptism, but I don't know what manner they may have figured found some way. Or he may be saying, hey guys, can we get this over with? Because we got a baptism to go to. And these two are going to baptize me. And I'm going to walk down to the baptism spot. And they're going to bury me in a liquid grave with my Lord. And he's my Lord and my Savior now. But Peter makes it clear by whose name he did this. Peter didn't say, well now, I'm Simon Peter. I have a brother named Andrew. Here's where I'm from. Here's my address. Here's my business card. I did this. That he was very similar to like Joseph and Daniel when they stood before kings. And they said, first of all, I can't do this. I didn't do anything but God above. But the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, that He tells him, verse 11, He says, This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby you must be saved. And He tells him, Look, you can get the same thing this guy got. Because you're like a whited sepulcher and dead on the inside. Oh, you've got your long flowing robes. You look good before men. But on the inside, there's only wrath. There's only hatred. And there's only anguish. And he tells them, this name has all the power. Did you know, brothers and sisters, that if you could lead somebody to salvation, you could do it with one word? Just mention Jesus. Yeah. You may say, really, Brother Jeremiah? Well, think about it. If somebody said, how can I solve this problem of death? Because it's a problem for all of us. We're all headed toward it. Oh, yes. Human beings are the only things on this planet, as far as we know, that knows they're going to die and spends most of their time pretending it's not going to happen. What's the cure? You know, 20 years ago, my knees didn't pop when I stood up from praying. Now they do. 20 years ago, I was in a lot better physical shape than what I am now. This body is beginning to break down. Corruption has set in. What is the cure? Jesus. Because if you were to tell that to somebody and they ask you what's the cure to death and you tell them Jesus, they say, what? And you say, Google it. Get on the internet 
and look up that name. Imagine what they would find. It would lead them to this scripture. And don't you think for one second that Google's algorithm can outpower my God. God can use that just like He can use a fool like me or anybody else to lead somebody to salvation through that name. But notice, it says in verse 13 now, they huddle up. It says, Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. And by the way, if you've ever looked those words up in a concordance, the word from the original Greek translation is idios. It's the word that we use to get the word idiot. Hey, these idiots, these guys that don't know nothing, can't read, don't know their left from their right hardly, it says that they took notice of them. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. These guys act like Jesus. Well, it's a good thing they do because they're filled with His Holy Spirit. And so then it says in verse 14, And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. They could not argue with the result. You can argue lots of things. You can't argue with the result. And there stood the man, the miracle. Verse 15, But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred amongst themselves. They huddled up. Saying, what shall we do to these men for that? Indeed, a notable miracle has been done by them and the man is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. Meaning, everybody's seen it, we can't say it was a hoax or it's fake news. That's what happened. What are we going to do? Not looking around and saying, God has surely visited our ignorant hearts today. They said, we've got to stop this. This is a problem. We thought we stopped it when we killed Jesus and it just seems like it keeps on growing. And so in the next verse it says, verse 17, But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Now brothers and sisters, take notice. They're doing the same thing today. Oh yes. You can get on TV and you can talk about God all you want. But when you begin to remove all doubt of which God you're talking about, when you talk about my Lord and my Savior Jesus Christ, you can see people cringe. Ooh, don't say that name. I'll tell you why. Because a bright light has come to them that walked in darkness. And lest their deeds be reproved, they prefer the darkness over the light. And what Peter and John did was they shined the light right in their eyes. Remember what he said. He said, Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, you killed him. And yet God raised him from the dead. And he's alive and alive forevermore. They would later see a man who was in the midst of being stoned to death. And he looked up and said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Not sitting, but standing at the right hand of the Father. Finding Stephen to be precious. And Peter and John, they weren't afraid because the Holy Spirit stirred them to action. You can sit back and say, I can't, I don't know how, all you want. You can say, Lord, I might not be able to, but I know you can put in there what you need to get out. 
You know, a few years ago, I had an occasion to do an object lesson with my own congregation where that I called one of my kids up and I had him bring the songbook that was in the pew in front of them. And I brought them up in front of the congregation. And I got this from Adrian Rogers. He'd done something similar and I thought it was a good lesson. So I tried it. I brought my son, Eli, up there. He brought that songbook. And I said, son, give me $20. Dad, I don't have $20. And I said, are you sure? Yeah. And I said, I'm pretty sure you do. He, he got wise to me pretty quick. And I told him, I said, turn, I think it was to page 200 rather than 20. I'll put it in page 200. Now I had before the service where he normally sat, I opened the songbook and I put a $20 bill in there. I knew it was in there the whole time. He didn't. And I, he turned to that and he looked and, well, there it is. I said, looks like you had it the whole time. You just didn't think you had it. Because the lesson in that is that you may not know what you have, but God knows what's inside of you. God knows because He put it there. In the book named after my namesake, Jeremiah, that God tells him, before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee, and I anointed thee to go forth for me. Do you think that only applies to somebody named Jeremiah? Brother Sam Adkins, he always mentioned that when mom was pregnant with me when she was baptized. I don't think that gives me any special abilities or powers or anything like that, but it is noteworthy. But what I can tell you is that God knew what was in me before I ever did. Yes. He knows what's in you. That's right. And the Holy Spirit, when He calls you to action, act. Do what He'll have you to do because He's going to have the ground prepared for you. You'll say, man, it's going to be a fight. Well, that's fine. He'll fight for you. Yes. Well, they'll think I'm crazy. That's fine. They thought the apostles were crazy. We're called to be a peculiar people. Yes. We're called to use that name to draw people in. Don't point him to Brother Jeremiah Williamson other than to say he can point you to Jesus. Yes. That's all I can do. I can't save you. Right. Couldn't save me, can't save you. I'm not that good. If I could handpick the very moment of my life, my best moment in time, it still wouldn't be good enough to get me to heaven. That any good that comes from me comes through me from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And may the world see Him in you. You'll notice that they took notice of Peter and John and they said, these guys have been with Jesus. They're talking His talk. They're walking His walk. They're defying us just like He did. And you'll notice how that... uh, In verse 18 it says, And they called Him and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach... In the name of Jesus, verse 19, it says, but Peter and John answered. Peter and John wouldn't let it go. A lot of people would have been, oh, that's fine, you know, but I'm going to go do whatever I want to. I was like that when I was a kid. Mom and Dad say, don't do it. Oh, okay, I won't do it. And then turn around and do it. Anyway, just hope they didn't find out. But Peter and John, they're like, uh-uh. 
Verse 19 says, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. He's saying, who do you guys think we should listen to? Now, you're the, you're the high muckety-mucks of religion. Should we listen to God or should we listen to you? And I say this about that. There's all kinds of doctrines floating around there in the yeah. world. And I wouldn't say that anyone necessarily will send somebody to hell if it's founded in the Word of God. Right. Okay. It's not worth fighting over though. Right. But I'll say this. If there's a doctrine that would cause you to balk at following the leading of the Holy Spirit, then which one should you cast aside? Should you look around and say, oh no, I was raised to not believe in speaking in tongues, and the Holy Spirit bids you to speak in tongues, then what should you do? If the Holy Spirit bids you to do something, do what He says. He has more authority than Grandpa or Mommy or Daddy and what they believed and what they said. Because they could be wrong. And the Holy Spirit is not wrong. That's right. The Holy right. Spirit is right. Yes, he is. And He yes. won't lead you astray. Yeah. We're called to be filled yes. with the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. Did you know that? Oh, yes. The Holy Spirit won't force His way in. It's right. But invited in, He'll give you so much more oh, yes. than what you even asked for. And, and, and I'll leave you with this. You see, because... Peter and John, they told them, look, we're going to do what God leads us to do. That, that's the way they left it. And, and, and if you haven't already read it, they get turned loose. That's not the last time they get in trouble, but they get turned loose. Oh, yeah. Okay, the Lord, they got in hot water because of following the Holy Spirit, and they got out of it because of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Because the Pharisees were like, well, we can't just take them and kill them because they were, they were quite popular amongst the people because of what they did for this guy, and everybody knew. That, yeah, before they encountered them, he was healed. But you see, Jesus at one point, he said that if you ask the Holy Spirit, he, he used the example of, you know, would, would a father, if his son asked him for a fish, would he give him a snack? Or if he asked for bread, will he give him a stone? And he said, how much better will God give good gifts to them that ask him? Because he's more loving than what any earthly father could ever be. And he said, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And I think about that in the context of Solomon. You know the story of Solomon. Solomon wasn't supposed to be king. He wasn't even the oldest. Okay? He was, by most people's account, unremarkable. But when the time came, his mother, Bathsheba... Now you may remember that name because she was bathing on a roof. Oh, yes. And David was lounging about the house, got up in the middle of the day... He went out there when he should have been out to battle with his men, saw her, desired her, uh, became an adulterer and a murderer. Yes. The great King David. That's the one that the Jews kind of glossed over. Oh, yes. But Solomon, the time comes, David's reign is at an end. His life is coming to an end. One of his stronger sons stands up and he says, I'm king. I'm going to be the king. And he was not... God's man, in God's place at God's time. But yet God reserved for him another younger man. You remember how David started out? That Jesse was told to call his sons and he called seven and Jesse had eight. And he didn't call the eighth one. You know, and after Samuel was done, he's like, don't you have any other sons? Well, yeah, there's David. But, you know, we got him out tending the sheep. David does his own thing. We don't even want him around. 
David was called and anointed as king. Solomon, I think, was similar. And so Solomon becomes king. And then God visits Solomon. And God tells Solomon, to to put it in modern day terms, God says, all right, I'm going to give you a check and you fill in the amount. Okay? But God says, ask what you will. Oh, yes. He tells Solomon in a vision, you ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you. In honor of your father, I will bless you abundantly. And Solomon, in an inspired moment of wisdom, he looked around and he said, man, he said, I ain't like my father. I'm not a big strong man who's fought many battles. He said, I don't know how to go out or come in. You know, David was a, a man's man. He, oh, yeah. you know, he was a giant killer, remember? Yes. He was a guy that grabbed a lion by the dangerous end and killed it. Oh, yes. He didn't get it by the tail. He grabbed it by the beard, he said. Yeah. He fought a bear, fought a giant. He did all of these things. He was a valiant man. And Solomon, in modern day terms, he would have been a nerd. Yeah. Okay, he wasn't strong. He was scrawny. And God said, you ask whatever you want. And you think about that for a moment. Somebody wrote you a blank check. Would you cash it for five bucks if they had billions? If Bill Gates wrote you a check, just put his name and said, everything is mine if you want to cash it out for every dime I've got. Do it. But Solomon, he looked around and he said, now I could ask for a long life. I could ask for riches. I could ask to drive my enemies before me. But he looked around and you see a few generations earlier, a couple generations earlier, the nation of Israel looked around. They said, we want to be like everybody else. We want to have a king. And they got Saul. If you remember, Samuel told them, he said, well, you're going to get a king. But you ain't going to like him. Right. And prior to that, what did they have? Judges. They interceded with God. And Solomon looked around and he said, I want a wise and discerning heart, Lord, that I may judge so great a people as your people. He was made a king and he has to be a judge, Brother Dennis. He said, I want to be what God wants me to be. And God said, that's great. Because not only am I going to make you the wisest man that ever lived and give you a wise and discerning heart, but I'm going to give you the riches. I'm going to give you the long life. I'm going to give you peace on all sides. You're going to be the marvel of all men because you asked for the right thing. Now you imagine if you ask God for the right thing, how He will reward you. Oh, yes. But now Solomon had his own troubles and we don't have time to go into all that. But I can tell you this. War has already been declared on you. If you are a child of the Most High, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, then you have an adversary. And he is plotting your demise. And you may say, Brother Jeremiah, I'm scared. Don't be scared. Keep him underfoot. The best he can do is bruise your heel, but you'll bruise his head. What you need to concern yourself with is following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And Satan will always be in your rear view. He can't prevail against you now. He'll still be hammering out weapons and loading guns and getting ready and putting his dukes up. But when he does, you don't even have to fight. 
You run him off like the mangy dog that he is. Yes. That name that Peter and John oh, healed that yes. man by that same name, yes. Satan has to flee at it. You have power in the name of Jesus Christ. You have power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And don't forget it. Because when you step out on faith and you do the Lord's work, yeah, it'll land you in hot water. But He'll get you right back out of it. He'll take care of you. Remember when I said that we're all a blessed people just for being able to be here tonight? Don't forget that. That you are a blessed people. Blessed are they which believe who have not seen I've not seen the resurrected Christ, but I believe upon Him. And I am blessed because of it. I pray that this message has nourished you. I pray that the Lord helps your heart. Brother Arby, I'm finished.